Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. A pair of hopper boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Bonnie and Ben. Dolls that will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Soon the bells will start. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Soon the bells will start. And the thing that'll make them ring is the carol that you sing right within your heart. All right, ladies and gentlemen, happy to have you along. I am Sam Bushman. This is indeed Liberty Roundtable Live. This is the broadcast for December 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips we reject revolution we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth welcome to liberty round table live a quick recap of yesterday's show we had our guest on mr ken cromart well-known filmmaker uh, miracles in god we trust.com his website order your miracles film today we talked about please donate to Barb and Ken's IRS deep state battle. We also talked about the IRS illegally steals and auctions off Barbie and Ken's home. Barb just wants his day, in, or sure, she just wants her day in court. So does Ken. Is God dead, ladies and gentlemen? No. Do miracles happen anymore? Absolutely, yes. The film is about America's college students have questions. Uh, fact, our nation, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and its birth and our freedoms did not happen by accident. The founders and patriots prayed hard, had faith, and received miracles indeed. They prayed for miracles and they got them. So why is this history no longer taught in our schools? All right. Anyway, a bunch of people in the movie. Great movie, by the way. Check it out. Get your copy today. Make great Makes great Christmas presents and helps Ken at the same time. Uh, the website, one more time, miraclesingodwetrust.com. That was our one, hour two. We talked about have yourself a merry little Christmas. Judy Garden lyrics are different than the lyrics you know today. Yeah. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Go check out the Judy Garden. Gar, wow, Julie, what's going on? Judy Garland lyrics. Uh, and you'll see how different they are. Remember the Judy Garland version was... Uh, First done, or whatever you want to call it, sung, produced, uh, in World War II. And the lyrics are uniquely different, and it kind of reminds you of this Christmas. A good friend of mine uh, briefed me on that. I don't get the credit for that interesting observation, but I wanted to relay it to you. Didn't want to mention his name because I don't think he wants his name mentioned on the show, but he did bring that, that out to me, and I find that a very interesting deal. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Two versions, different lyrics. Go check it out and figure out why, what the difference, what's going on. 
You can listen to the broadcast yesterday at LovingLiberty.net, or you can check it out yourself and figure it out. But there you go. A lot of fun for Christmas, huh? Dr. Deborah Brooks, shame on her. She tells us all, stay home. And she busts out for a big multi-generational family holiday. See, do these extremists, these liberals, these whacked out, do they really, um, what do they believe on this? Do they not believe that those social distancing really matters? Or do they just think uh, they're elite so it doesn't matter, they can do what they want, but you have to stay home, you great unwashed? Uh, or are they just completely ignorant of their actions versus their advice? I, mean, I just don't get it. I have a feeling they just don't believe that the social distancing matters. It matters in everybody else's lives, but not in their lives. So there you have it. Uh, can ivermectin be used to treat COVID-19? Coronavirus. Great, great question. In fact, I think I'm going to ask our guest that here in just a second uh, coming up. But anyway, uh, very interesting stuff with that indeed. Are we willing to talk about the truth? Sidney Powell, they say back at the White House, to pitch executive orders to seize voting machines. We'll talk about that too. I don't think she'll have a whole lot of luck in that. Our prayers are with her, but I, uh, again, time will tell. U.S. Senator Ted Cruz says... Prosecute and jail anyone involved in voter fraud. Ted's right, although I still don't believe we'll get it done. Dominion got caught lying. Matt Staver, Liberty Council chairman with the report. Stimulus passes. Uh, some may see checks within a week, they say. But Donald hasn't signed it yet either. Yeah, the, the, the legislation is massive, 5,600 plus pages no one read it they all signed it shame on everyone that did not read it but did sign it you wouldn't do that with your own mortgage or your own loan would you climate change legislation included in the coronavirus relief deal that's exactly the point why are we passing coronavirus relief and it's got climate change and who knows what in it all the way through 5600 pages what a shame and that's a recap of the broadcast that took place yesterday. Still available online at lovingliberty.net, libertyroundtable.com. Spread the word. Tell your neighbor. Donate liberally, would you please? All right. Without further ado, our guest, Mr. Tim Starks. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you having me on today. Well, we have so much to talk about. Um, first off, I don't know if you know this, but Trump pardoned former Representative Steve Stockman. Did you see this? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, catch that. Anyway, I find that fantastic news. Uh, Steve Stockman has some underlying health conditions, and so our prayers are with him and his lovely wife, Patty, and his family. And I'm grateful that he gets to go home. Good for President Trump pardoning Steve Stockman, though. I find that to be a win. We tried so hard, couldn't get it done. But we got it done. And um, thank heavens for that. So anyway, that's an interesting tidbit. We're going to try to get Patty and or Steve on to get kind of an update on that. Uh, quickly, um, I want to talk about the coronavirus stuff. There's a few headlines that relate to this that I find very interesting. The first one says this. New COVID strain is already here. Experts warn that it's expected to be 50% more transmissible but no evidence that it's more deadly. And both vaccine companies are testing to see if their vaccine will work on that new strain of coronavirus. What do you say to that? Well, I think it's uh, pretty obvious that the COVID is going to 
mutate. I mean, that's what the COVID virus does. That's why they have not been able to come up with a vaccine for years for the common cold because it just mutates constantly. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that has been impossible for as long as they've been doing vaccines. And the one they've got now, in my opinion, isn't even a vaccine. It's an immune stimulator. Um, if you look at how it works, it doesn't uh, work the same way as our past vaccines do. And uh, some would tell you, well, we're in a new era of vaccines. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the definition of a vaccine and look at how this works, it doesn't even fit it, in my opinion. But uh, in, in other words, what, what you're saying is this new vaccine is based on uh, uh, RNA um, involvement, which is slightly different than before and the way that it um, kind of stimulates your immune system or tricks your immune system into believing you're sick when you're really not. Um, is a lot different than the way they used to do. They used to have live and or inert uh, versions of the illness in the vaccines, uh, controlled in such a way to uh, crank up your antibodies to it, but you were really responding to something that was the illness. In this case, now what we're doing is tricking the body using RNA. It's kind of a new frontier. They don't really bring that up much because it doesn't build confidence in the vaccines, but that's um, probably a simple man's summary, would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's it's based off of Keytruda on one of the vaccines I read. And uh, anybody's familiar with Keytruda, it's used to fight cancer. And uh, one of the dangers of Keytruda is it can cause your body to turn on itself. Um, and through the study of HIV and, and cancer, they've come up, they've used those studies in, in producing these vaccines or so-called vaccines. I call them immune boosters because they boost your immune system with messenger cells and has to do with proteins. And... Uh, it's going to basically cause your system to have a more active immune system, which if you look at what HIV and some of these autoimmune diseases have already, that's what they do. They're overactive immune systems that eventually give out and give way to AIDS and other sicknesses and illnesses. Interesting. So the vaccine, um, quite a bit different. Uh, they're basically saying, hey, you know what? The new strain's already here. We don't know if the vaccine will... Uh, deal with the new strain or not. Now, here's an interesting statement from uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, quote, our darkest days in the battle against COVID are ahead of us, not behind us. Isn't that an interesting statement for Joe to make right now? Well, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, and I think if anybody has really looked into how we're fighting it, um, they would agree that that what we're doing isn't really, um, I can't say that it's definite for sure. Hey, we got this in the bag. I think it's just something that's going to be there, but the problem is, is it going to be that deadly? Um, or is this just another, you know, thing that's going to run its course for three years and then kind of dissipate down to something that you just expect every year? Well, and in my opinion, if it's not more deadly and it does transfer uh, quite a bit more rapidly, in other words, spread more rapidly, what it will do is just race us towards herd immunity sooner naturally, right? Yeah, and I mean, the, the vaccine that they come up with actually doesn't give you herd immunity if you look at the way it, it works, so... <laughs> But natural getting the illness always develops herd immunity over time if you're patient, ladies and gentlemen. All right, hang tight. Quick pause. You are listening to Sam Bushman, Liberty Roundtable Live.
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Gentlemen, a reality in contrast, we're trying to celebrate Christmas with Anthony Fauci doubling down and saying, hey, the darkest days of the COVID are not behind us. Uh, they're ahead of us. And that's a very concerning statement uh, for a Joe Biden to make at this juncture. Ladies and gentlemen, more than 2.1 million people worldwide, including more than 600,000 Americans, have already been vaccinated with a coronavirus vaccine so far. The first doses of the coronavirus vaccines have been administered already in six countries. That's according to Bloomberg. In the United States alone, 614,170 or 17 doses of the vaccines have already been administered since December the 14th. Man, I sure wish they could get testing on par with how many vaccines they're given out. Uh, but it's very interesting. This is a vaccine we know very, very little about, even though they want you to believe we know a lot about it. Uh, they're playing games in new territory here, Tim Starks. 
Well, Sam, I, I, I agree with you partially on that, but I think they know quite a bit about this vaccine. They've been working on it for, oh, 12 years. And the thing of it is they couldn't get it for approval um, because the FDA would not approve it because of the dangers involved with this thing. Until now, they was able to fast track it through. Um, just for instance, this type of uh, stimulation, mean stimulation, was only allowed in, in the form of Keytruda it was allowed for patients that were going to die anyway, such as cancer and stuff like that. So if you had a serious illness, they allowed it and approved it because, of course, you're going to die anyway. So what, you know, what's a, a bad side effect or, you know, dealing with that if it's going to save your life? So that is what's scary about this is this type of design of, of immune stimulator, I'm calling it. I don't call it a vaccine. Um, and, and that's, the scary part about this, but here's the thing that you got to take into to account here. The reason why they're saying that our days, that the, the dark days are ahead of us on this thing is because they know that this isn't a vaccine. A vaccine, a typical vaccine introduces the virus, you know, in a sterile form or, you know, uh, the, the dead form of it. And it identifies that. It puts it in the memory and the messenger cells identify that every time it comes in the body and they attack it and they ramp up the they ramp up the immune system and attack that virus. And usually it stays with you for, you know, seven months, to a year, year and a half. And, and that's why you get vaccinated every year. But with the coronavirus, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> There's the, the body doesn't remember for some reason with the coronavirus because it changes so much. That's why you can get the code, get over the code and literally get the code again in a week or two. Um, whereas the flu, usually when you get that strain of flu, you're done with it for that year, you're good to go. But the cold is totally different. And so this is where this virus, instead of targeting the actual and identifying the virus come in the body, it's just ramping up your immune system in general. So it's going to fight against a little bit of everything. The problem is, how long does it keep your immune system ramped up? I mean, does it wear the immune system out? I mean, how does it know when to ramp down? And how long does the effects of this last? That's the questions I have. And if you look at Keytruda on their own website, they tell you that when you take Keytruda, which is an RNA um, type of uh, medicine, um, it will has the side effect to potentially attack your own body. <laughs> and this is on their own website. This isn't conspiracy. This isn't rumors. This is right on their own website. Very so, interesting indeed when you talk about that. It's also interesting. There's a new study that came out. There's a link between COVID and sleep apnea. So you don't get good sleep, and hey, the COVID can rage and get started in your life. They say, believe it or not, uh, melatonin used to reduce the COVID effects in that study. Hmm. Kind of an interesting twist as well. But it would make sense, right? The stronger your immune system is, uh, the greater your ability to handle uh, the COVID uh, if and or when it hits, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the thing that worries me about this, and, and, and keep in mind, you know, this is just an opinion. You know, I'm a critical thinker. I'm an analyst. I analyze things, you know, and I look at this vaccine that they call vaccine, this immune stimulator, and I look at some of the telltale signs that start to make me wonder. That, you know, one of the things, too, is that people that take the vaccine test false positives for HIV. <laughs> um because it's messing with the same proteins that HIV messes with. So when you take all this into account, you have to really question, you know, what's this going to do in two years, five years? 
I don't know. But I do know this. They've got the high-level people in management and everybody else convinced that this is safe and it's good to go because they truly believe it is, too. And I know several people with uh, some pharmaceutical companies who've already taken the vaccine and who are confident that it's a good idea um, because they would believe and rely on the information that's told to them by the technical people of their companies. Um, now, do the technical people believe on it? Believe in it totally? I don't know. Um, obviously, the FDA didn't believe in it early on because they never approved it early on until now. Um, they only allowed, like I said, this type of technology to be used in, um, you know, if you're going to die or in cases where you had no other choice. Um, and why they're not looking at ivermectin and putting ivermectin more into play, I don't know. There is, unfortunately, a group of doctors in Florida and, and Texas that have been doing a lot of clinical trials with ivermectin, very successful. One doctor, even before the Senate committee, even said, look, if you take ivermectin, it you will not get the, the COVID if you take it in the way we prescribe it. it actually and this, is interesting to it me. this is interesting to me because it's explosive testimony in a congressional hearing, if you will, and the media didn't talk about it a bit. Yeah, and that's because it ivermectin. Merrick gave up the, the let's so-called patents or the, the way to make money off of ivermectin. They gave it up in the 70s, I think, 70s or, or early 80s. They gave up that patent right, and so there's no money in ivermectin. <laughs> so why would they put the research behind it? Why would they promote it? Uh, for the simple the fact that we say we wanted to get to the bottom of this, we want to save lives, we want to go ahead and let people get back to, quote, normal, uh, we want to go ahead and stamp out the virus and, and, and you know because we want to do what's right and bring back life in the economy. That would be my reasons. Well, yeah, but you're thinking from a morally sound standpoint, Sam. You're not thinking from a, you know, how do I benefit financially from this? So, Sad but true, I guess. There's, there's two ways to look at that, and, and I don't think that the big farmer is looking at this from a moral standpoint. Well, they say this. More than 3 million deaths will make this the deadliest year in U.S. history. Life expectancy for 2020, they say, could end up dropping as much as three full years, says the CDC's Robert Anderson. The COVID has become the third leading cause of death behind heart disease and cancer. I mean, imagine those kind of statements. Well, where did you hear that three million number before, before this? Oh, they said that's how many people were going to die from just the COVID, not in general. Yeah, that, but... But I mentioned that in one of our conversations as well. I believe that you could see a number as high as 3 million as well. I don't think this was behind us. I think this is, uh, you know, here, here's, the, here's the thing about this. You're going to have things in nature that are going to run their course, I believe. And we have to, we can't live in fear. We just have to live um, and, and move forward, you know, take the medicines that, that work, um, you know, do the things you can do and, uh, it's going to run its course. I mean, I have came in contact with several people that are positive. I even think I came down with it. I um, had all the symptoms. I started to lose my sense of smell. I took ivermectin myself, and I was over it the next day. I know several other friends who have done the same thing. Uh, they were over it within, you know, 12 hours. Um, I've come in contact with uh, people, direct contact. One person even coughed in my face. Um, he was so sick and so far, I've done okay. So 
I'm not going to worry about it. I don't wear the mask. I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Um, you know, when you go into the store, of course, you got to wear the mask. It's, it's polite for others, I guess. But when I'm around other people and friends, we don't wear them. We don't worry about it. Um, because it's it's not one of them things to where I think that uh, wearing a mask that isn't even an N100 approved mask to stop the virus is going to do you any good from getting it. And I believe personally that when you are sick with the virus and you're coughing into the mask, you're coating the mask. And every time you cough, you're pushing it through and aerosolizing it as it is. But, um, you know, to each his own. Well, can ivermectin be used to treat COVID successfully? Documentation suggests the answer is yes. In fact, other countries are using it big time. We'll talk about it in seconds. Tim Starks on your radio. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Trump calls the long-awaited coronavirus relief bill a disgrace and demands $2,000 stimulus checks for Americans. Congress approved a one-time $600 payment. The president called the 5,600-page spending bill wasteful and filled with unnecessary items. The Israeli Knesset office confirmed early Wednesday that the country is heading to its fourth elections in two years. A deadline for Parliament to pass a new budget passed at midnight, forcing the Knesset to dissolve and automatically triggering new elections on March 23rd. LaGuardia Airport control tower chatter reveals two people were arrested after a Delta Airlines pilot radioed the tower that passengers, along with their Great Dane puppy, had bailed out on the tarmac by opening an emergency door and going down the inflatable slide Monday. Radio traffic to the pilot said, it looks like the individual is being arrested at this time. This is USA Radio News. 67% of U.S. households own a pet, according to the American Pet Products Association. And while caring for one has always required time, love, and financial commitment, the pandemic has brought added stress and financial uncertainty, which could impact how you care for yours. Fortunately, there are things you can do to help be prepared for both routine care and unexpected illness or injury. For starters, financing options such as the Care Credit Health and Pet Care Credit Card. It allows cardholders to pay vet expenses over time with monthly installment payments, and it's accepted at 8 out of 10 eligible veterinary care providers across the country. You can also consider getting pet insurance. Pets Best, for example, can help cover unexpected expenses like cancer, surgeries, accidents, and more. In addition, they offer optional wellness coverage for ongoing expenses like vaccinations and medications. You create a personalized insurance plan, pay a monthly premium, and get reimbursed. Finally, there are wellness plans that many vets offer that cover certain types of care for a monthly fee. So be sure to ask yours about what they are and how they can fit within your budget. Being prepared for a lifetime of care can make all the difference. Let's get a Christmas coronavirus update. With Christmas right around the corner and holiday travel picking up, many health officials are asking Americans to scale back their celebrations to help stave off another surge of coronavirus cases after the holiday period. Dr. Anthony Fauci tells CNN that he's never said he wants to cancel Christmas. Instead, he hopes Americans will take the proper precautions to keep their holiday gatherings as safe as possible. Whenever I talk about being careful, someone will say, well, he wants to cancel Christmas. I don't want to do that. I want people to be more careful. I want them to limit traveling to the extent possible. And when you congregate, try to do it with a limited number of people, preferably people in the same household or a few close people who you know are also being very careful. Avoid the 20, 25 people at a house at a big setting. 
Those are the things that are quite risky. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. This is USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry for the delay here. Hard-hitting talk at your fingertips always. We're talking about an interesting idea, ivermectin being used to treat the COVID. And you say, what? I haven't even heard of that solution. I know. That's kind of my concern. Why haven't you heard about it, ladies and gentlemen? But you know what? It can make a tremendous difference. Tim Starks with me. Other countries are using it incredibly successfully. Tim? Well, yeah, and you, you take one of those countries. They're using it down in South America. They're using it in Mexico. Um, they're using it in India. One thing you got to understand about India, India is a country that is the second, I believe, most populated country. Um, the density of the population is, is far greater than China. So they run second to China in population, but they run number one, or not number one, they run in higher density than China. So when you look at population versus density, there's a big difference in how a trans, you know, these disease transmits or a virus transmits. So with the density they have, which is greater than China's, um, and the population they have, they're, they're a, um, you know, petri dish for this kind of spread of a, of a virus. So they have to really be on top of things or they can lose a numbers in a big way. And they have half the deaths that we have. So and and let's be very be, clear, they have quadruple the population of the United States for a, a comparison. Oh yeah, yeah. They I mean they, their their population far outweighs ours. So um, the numbers are far greater, and they have half the deaths. Now, I I compare us to India because India is a country that's a lot like the U.S., where they have a lot of freedom. They mingle, they socialize with people a lot over there. Um, they're very interactive with with each other over there in India. Whereas a lot of countries like China that's communist that can shut you down and block your movement, India's not that way. So China can control things in a different way, whereas like the U.S., we have our freedoms. We're not used to being locked down. So when you're dealing with a pandemic, um, you can't just take people's freedoms away. So you have to use other methods. And the reason why I want to talk about India is because I look at them as a country that, like I said, has far greater density. They have a lot of the movements like we have here. They have to deal with some of the same issues, but they have half the deaths. And they have approved ivermectin to treat the COVID. So, And they just recently did that. So a lot of the deaths they've had have been up before the actual use of ivermectin. Um, but the fact that they've approved ivermectin should speak volumes because this is a country that, that takes medicine very serious. Now, let's just explain to people um, what ivermectin is. It's been around forever, right? Yeah, it's been used to treat scabies um, in, in America. There's uh, actually a, an interesting report that has to do with the treatment of scabies in a nursing home. It was two sister nursing homes that had all of its patients exposed to COVID directly from an um, individual. 
at both facilities and the facility that had a scabies outbreak and had treated everybody with ivermectin, zero came down with the disease or the virus. The other facility, which did not have the scabies outbreak and had not treated their residents with ivermectin, had a 68% um, and I think it was a 68% or 58% mortality from the COVID virus. So um, that's a that's pretty profound when you think about that. So ivermectin has a very um, proven prophylactic, um, you know, results for preventing COVID. And it actually prevents the protein, uh, the invasion of the nucleus into the uh, cells. So that's how it works. Uh, but it has been used in Africa to prevent river blindness. And we use it in America in, in, in animals to get rid of parasites. And we also use it to get rid of parasites in humans as well. Um, there's also um, uh, people with HIV come down with a infection in the intestines and other illnesses that come down with this infection and they use ivermectin to fight that off the parasite. Um, it works um, good in those patients as well. Anyway, it's a very interesting um, drug, if you will, because it's, there's no patent on it, and therefore it's very, very, very inexpensive. The way you um, can take it, you can take it orally, but it's probably best through a nebulizer uh, because it goes straight to your lungs and can help literally, uh, in my opinion, uh, circumvent the uh, coronavirus uh, getting into your lungs and making it impossible to breathe. It's a very, well, very and, you know, just one thing we want to mention drug. here too, Sam. We're not giving medical advice. We're just talking about some of the research that's been done on it and some of the experiences myself yeah, and others have had. Because in America, it. you're not free of your speech, and so you got to make all these disclaimers and stuff. <laughs> Even though you believe but, something and you've tried something and you've done something and you feel very familiar with it, and you probably know more about it than the doctors in America know about it, but yet you're not really allowed to say that because, by golly, they could violate your free speech and you could go to jail for claiming that you're somebody that you're not. You know, that kind of stuff, right? Exactly. And, so, and I, highlight yeah, that, I highlight that really because I want to make a point, ladies and gentlemen. In America, uh, you know what? We never said we were doctors. To have to make some kind of a disclaimer like that because we're afraid of being in trouble or saying something wrong and having it go all sideways. And uh, Okay, this is America, folks, not China. Now, Tim is just expressing his personal opinion from his own, own personal research and his own experience, which he's entitled to. Does that summarize it well enough? Sure. All right. Go ahead, sir. And, and one of the things, too, that, uh, that people need to understand with ivermectin, too, there are some dangers with anything. If you are on warfarin, for instance, um, you would probably not want to take ivermectin. And I would say anybody before they take ivermectin would want to consult with a physician who is familiar with ivermectin and who approves the use of it, um, such as these doctors in Texas or Florida. Um you know, if you go consulting with your normal doctor who doesn't believe in anything but what he's told and what's been given to him, um, you may have a little more difficult time. But uh, if consult with someone who works with it and who's familiar with it would be my suggestion. Uh, but here's the other thing, too. What's really unique about ivermectin, too, and the reason why you don't want to take it with warfarin, is it actually keeps your blood from clotting. And one of the things that happens with people with COVID is they get blood clots and they die of heart attack. Um, or they have a blood clot, which causes organ failures or other things in the body. 
stroke, I think. So, you know, this is another thing that ivermectin prevents is the clotting. Um, of course, it magnifies that warfarin results. So you would be like overdosing on warfarin if you took ivermectin, I, I believe. So you just want to make sure you know all of the, the, the things that can potentially happen with anything. And, of course, every drug out there has a side effect with some people and not with others. So you want to do your due diligence. There you have it. Anyway, we don't want to go on about this forever, but we did want to really highlight uh, the a- answers. Uh, not only is it this being used successfully in India, but many other countries uh, as well. This is not something new. This is not something untested. Uh, this is something where, hey, if they're going to claim you know, that all these people have to get the expensive vaccinations, more than 2.1 million people and growing at an alarming rate. <clears throat> and then they tell you that, hey, you know what? We've got this situation where uh, more than 3 million deaths will make this the most deadly year in history and that uh, life expectancy is going down three years. And, hey, you know what? It's only behind heart disease and cancer is the third leading cause of death in America today. You know, hey, it's worth really looking at ivermectin to see hey you know what uh difference can it make and i think that ivermectin needs to be really really discussed openly it was in congress already and the doctor literally laid his whole credibility and his whole team on the line about this so understand tim and sam are not medical doctors but there is a medical doctor that testified before congress who represents a whole group of medical doctors that absolutely staked the whole organization's credibility on this solution, Tim. That's worth noting. Yep, and and another thing I'll just mention too, Sam, I am a critical thinker in an analysis and an investigator, and I'm very good at what I do. I work in the field of security. Um, I have have cracked and and successfully, um, you know, investigated and solved um, many, many um, solutions for things. I'm a solution provider. And so I base all of my analysis and research on doctors and on science information that they have given. So this isn't just like I'm going out here looking at this and coming up with stuff myself. I base it on all my research. Anybody can research. Anybody can think critically. The information's out there. Um, one of the things, too, I just want to mention, too, that about this uh, immune booster that they're calling a vaccine, and, and this is the part that you've got to ask yourself questions on this stuff. And I'm not telling people you shouldn't get it. I'm saying ask yourself questions to know if it's going to work for you. And you getting ready to go into break? Yes, sir. Quick pause, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Stark's with us. IT security consultant, systems troubleshooter on your radio. Ivermectin. Very interesting stuff before Congress. Did you hear about it from anybody else but Tim? You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us 
to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. And you're listening to Tim Starks on your radio securities expert and more talking about ivermectin. We're not doctors, but we are highlighting in Congress, doctors spoke out very boldly in favor of this, documented the history, the success, and literally staked not only the doctor's reputation, but he represented a whole organization that he basically doubled down and said, look, we've tested this in America. It's being used all over the world, and it's really the answer. If you take this ivermectin, you will not get sick uh, as a proactive measure. And if you get sick and you do it early, uh, the chances of you dying from uh, the COVID are almost zero. Uh, to me, the fact that this isn't out in the public discussion, when it was testified before Congress, Congress knows about it. Uh, it almost borders on criminal, in my opinion. Uh, now, this is just my opinion, but I'm just saying, you look at that and you go, what on earth is going on, Tim? Well, and I'm going to give your listeners some homework, Sam. So, you know, we could we could just talk about this all day long, but I'm going to give them some questions to seek the answers to. And, and one question I'm going to say is, it was with this so-called vaccine, the immune booster stimulator, I call it, um, do you get herd immunity if you take it? And, and from what I've found, no, you don't, because you can still contract the virus when you take this. What this does is this doesn't prevent you from getting the virus. This helps your immune system fight it quicker and so that you don't have the results. So if you can still contract the virus and pass it on to someone else, this vaccine doesn't give you herd immunity. And I think those that are working with this know this, and this is why they know that the fight's still ahead of us. Because if it did, they'd say, hey, this is over. We got it. Hey, we got it licked. But they know that isn't the case. So if that's not – and, and, and so that's one question. Does, do you get herd immunity? Can you still get the virus when you take the vaccine? And how long does the vaccine results last? How, does it last three months, six months, a year, two years, three years? Does it put your body into immune system overload? I mean, does it cause an autoimmune disease? I don't know. You know, I've looked at some of the information, some of the questions I have not found the answers to, 
Um, I have seen some discussions on this where there's concern about this, and I looked at some of the FDA stuff on uh, some of the early mRNA-type medicines and some of the issues they have with them to where they only approve some of them to be used in death case, you know, imminent death or, you know, uh, severe conditions of the body. So people need to look into this. This stuff's all available. You can go out to the websites and find all this information from the manufacturers all the way up to FDA hearings. Um, it's, it's all out there. So don't take our word for it. Go look it up. Then look up ivermectin. You know, ivermectin may not be the answer either, but at this point with the study and the research that's into it and the information and the data that we have collected, it looks like a pretty good viable solution at this point. Well, in this doctor and his organization, I find it interesting that, you know, Congress already has been told about this in no uncertain terms, right? Well, and they have. And, and as a matter of fact, this, uh, this Congressman Peters, um, he actually got irate with the um, Senate hearings and he obviously must be getting some money, in my opinion, from a pharmaceutical because he really wanted to defend the pharmaceutical's position and just blast the whole idea of ivermectin um, and blast at these guys and said he's going to rely on science. Now, how do you tell a man who's in that field of science that you're going to rely on science when you're not in that field of science and you don't want to listen to his information? That just blows my mind. That's like going to your mechanic and saying, and he tells you what's wrong with your car, and you just blast him and say, there's no way I'm going to listen to a mechanic. And the mechanic's like, I am the mechanic. <laughs> All right, and we're talking about Senate testimony of Dr. Pierre Corey of the Ivermectin Miracle is what we're talking about. Yeah, and he's a very well-published doctor. He's very recognized and very um, respected. And here's what he says. I, keep, I can't keep watching patients die needlessly. That's a very interesting statement from a doctor in Senate testimony. How come the average American doesn't know about this? Where he's saying, I can't keep watching patients die needlessly. This isn't an idle statement. This is an absolute flat-out plea, in my opinion, from the good doctor to say, What's going on? Why are we why are we not working on this? And he begs for more study, more review, but he says we've done enough that should stand on its own, but you know, I plead for more. And all they did in Congress was pr pretty much as far as I can tell, ignore the guy. Well, and you you said it earlier, Sam, we our freedom of speech goes as far as if it's in line with the mainstream media's agenda if it's in line with Facebook's agenda, Twitter's agenda, you know, if it's in line with all the big tech agenda and anybody else who controls it, if it's in the line, you've got the freedom to speak. But the moment that your speech is not in alignment with them, then that freedom's gone. So right now, this whole study of ivermectin, that freedom to speak about it and get the word out there effectively. Now, people can speak and you can be heard. But to effectively do it, for the mainstream media to talk about it in a big way, for it to really spread and be allowed to spread, it's not happening because it's against big pharma. And let's face it, money runs the world. And whether we want to face it or not, and big pharma is big money. 
Anyway, I look at this and I say Congress has already had testimony on it. Doctors are speaking out boldly about it. And I think it's criminal to um, have it withheld from the American people at this point. I agree with you. It may not be the only answer. But it is one serious question. Can ivermectin be used to treat COVID-19, the coronavirus? And then a doctor in Senate testimony, Dr. Pierre Corey, on the ivermectin miracle. I can't keep watching patients die needlessly. Let's really work on this, was his plea. And either got ignored or mocked in Congress, basically, as far as I can see. And then the mainstream well, press he, he failed to report on individuals. He, he got ignored by some individuals, most, and then he got criticized yeah. heavily by others. I don't know anybody uh, that has taken his testimony and done their best to make it go viral. So nobody, and, as far and, as I can tell, is helping him is the point. And the part about this that really cracks me up, he got mocked and criticized by someone who knows nothing about uh, medicine, who has not got a degree in medicine. Um, like I said, that's like mocking your mechanic when you go to a mechanic for advice. Um, you know, it's 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 just ludicrous and it's criminal, like you said, Sam, that this isn't being um, looked into more. This isn't being, um, you know, taken more serious. When it you've got criminal. Joe Biden running around going, the dark days are ahead of us. And then you've got Anthony Fauci going, hey, this thing ain't going away anytime soon. Even if you get the vaccine, you still got to wear a mask. You still got to social distance. And then they say, oh, yeah, there's it's a given that there's new strains uh, in America that are doubly uh, their their ability to spread is double. And well, they're using uh, this to lock us down, spend a ton of money on expensive drugs. Then this guy testifies about it in Congress saying ivermectin is one of the great answers that we're not talking about. And then they mock this doctor. What they tried to say is, you know, why are you, you know doubling down on this in politics? And the doctor's like, what are you talking about? I'm not we- political. It's because the other side, this is the great reset reset moment in history. This is the reset moment they've been looking for to happen, and they're going to make use of it. I mean, here's the thing. This isn't just words. This isn't just conspiracy. Look at the facts is what I would tell your listeners. Go look at the, the coronavirus relief bill. Why does global warming and the green new initiatives and stuff, what does that have to do with COVID? What does that have to do with fighting COVID? But this is being used to promote and put money into those agendas and to make those things mainstream because this is the reset moment these individuals have been looking for. And like I said, they will make use of it. This isn't a matter of of making up stuff. It's out there. Go look. Take the time to read what your congressman didn't read. Where are the folks to stand up against this and say, hold on, you know what? We're not interested in a reset. We are interested in getting the COVID behind us. This is a life or death matter. Uh, this is a destroy the economy or not discussion. Uh, this is a, you know, there needs to be, I don't really see anybody boldly standing up. The only, the closest one that, in my opinion, had a medical degree was Dr. Scott Atlas, who then resigned and quit. They claimed he wasn't the right kind of doctor. He's been standing out pretty boldly. There was a doctor in Canada, um, his name escapes me right the second, but he stood out pretty boldly. But for the most part, I don't really see very many speaking out about this. Well, it's because people have become complacent. They have got their sources of information. 
And whatever that source may be, whether it be the news for you, your doctor, your neighbor, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, whatever it may be, people rely on those sources and, and they trust in those sources. The problem is, is that those sources all rely on a central focal point of information. It all comes from one person. And it's, if it's corrupt at that level, then all the distribution of that information is faulted. And that's where we're at in America today. Okay, the guy's name is Dr. Roger Hopkins, speaking out on how governments are dealing with the coronavirus. He says it's absolutely insane, absurd how we're ignoring everything. His name is Dr. Roger Hopkinson on how governments responded to COVID. And this is serious because I think it really tells the story. You know, then they run around in the mainstream press and wonder why we don't trust them or believe in what their answers are why we don't want to wear masks or why we won't trust or whatever else. And you listen to Dr. Roger Hopkinson on this. Uh, you listen to the Senate testimony of Dr. Pierre Corey. You learn about ivermectin being used very successfully in other countries. And at some point you go, man, I'm the, I don't trust a word they say. You got Joe Biden. How would he know that the dark days of the COVID are ahead of us, not behind us? How would Joe, of all people, know that? He's not a doctor. And then Fauci's saying, hey, even after the vaccines, you're still going to have to wear masks and social distance. And, you know, we're still going to have to lock everybody down. And, you know, what kind of a statement is that from a doctor? Well, and you got to think about that, Sam. That's, that's what I'm talking about, this critical thinking. Why would they tell you that you still have to wear a mask after you get a supposed vaccine? Because it's not a vaccine. It's an immune system booster that boosts your immune system reaction and makes it more active and ramps it up. It isn't stopping the virus. It isn't stopping you from getting it. It's just ramping it up your response. So that's why they're telling you you still got to wear your mask and you can still spread it. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, this is hard to fathom what's going on in America. This is serious, serious serious business our prayers are that we can get to the answers that we can tell the truth that we cannot make this a money game but that we can stand up and bring healing and stability and safety to our society according to the national vaccine information center you ready for this over 3,000 adverse reactions to the so-called vaccine already known. Yeah, over 3,000 health impact events after COVID-19 vaccines. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Liberty Roundtable Live. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, 
liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio. This is the broadcast for December 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2020. Almost 2021, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Merry Christmas to all of you from us, the Liberty Roundtable team. We've got Tim Starks with us. He's a national IT security consultant and IT systems problem troubleshooter and more. Last hour, we were talking about vaccinations. And we were talking about there's been over 3,000 health impacts after COVID-19. MR, what do they call these things? mRNA vaccines. Uh, that's according to the National Vaccine Information Center, NVIC.org. They're documenting over 3,000 uh, already problematic situations. But, you know, no one's telling you that. They want you to know that it's safe and effective and it's all uh, good, they claim. I would simply say not so fast. I don't know if you know, but there is a national plan to vaccinate every American. You know about this, ladies and gentlemen? The government has a national vaccine plan. It is a plan designed to make sure you, your child, and everyone in America gets every dose of every vaccine that government officials recommend to you now and into the future. Are you aware of that? Wow, that's a shocking uh, revelation, uh, to say the least. Uh, Tim, were you aware of that? You know, I've, I've heard... Uh and seeing some uh, writings on it, um, how they can do it, I think, is going to be a little more troublesome than, you know, just doing it right away. But uh, I'm not convinced that they can do it that easy. I think it's going to be a little harder than they think. So, Amen to that reality check. And, folks, I don't want to spend too much time on on this, uh, this hour. We did uh, a ton of it last hour, and we talked about the Senate testimony of Dr. Pierre Corey, he talks about the ivermectin miracle. He said, I cannot watch people continuing to needlessly die. Can ivermectin be used to treat COVID-19? And the answer is yes, it's being done in other countries. And yes, this doctor and his whole organization have been doing it successfully. And he's here to tell you about it. But the mainstream press, derelict in their duty, to say the least, negligent. Uh, between the government not letting you know about this and the media not le- letting you know about this and my personal uh, opinion to which I'm entitled. It borders on criminality, folks. When they run around and tell you more than 3,000 deaths will make this year of death the greatest year of death in American history, and then they're promoting the vaccinations, um, you begin to understand they've got an agenda uh, that you may not be willing to be part of uh, were you able to know the truth. Anyway, bottom line is go check out that testimony, the Senate testimony of Dr. Pierre Corey on ivermectin, and then read the documents uh, at the NVIC about their plan for every American uh, and to promote the vaccines, and then read about how there's already over 3,000 adverse reactions and growing by the second, and then read Dr. Roger Hopkinson's uh, information about how governments are responding to the COVID, and you'll start to see a very sinister picture, ladies and gentlemen, all at Christmas time. What a sad tale to tell. Meanwhile, they passed the uh, big spending bill in Congress. I mean, it is massive. 5,600 pages. Not a single person was able to read it. Mike Lee speaking out boldly uh, against it. Uh, Rand Paul speaking out boldly uh, against it. Many, many, many people are speaking out against it. Believe it or not, Ted Cruz and Ocasio-Cortez are even agreeing that it was horrible. 
I mean, imagine uh, Ted Cruz and Acacia Cortez agreeing, but they did because they realized how sinister this really is. No one read it. Everybody's signing something they don't know anything about. The president has to sign it. They claim he will. I think he might not. I think he wants more money for the individual and less handouts. Uh, But time will tell. But here's Rand Paul's statement about what they've done. This bill is free money for everyone. Proponents don't care if you're fully employed or own your own house or own your own business. Free money for everyone, they cry. And yet, if free money were the answer, if money really grew on trees, why not give more free money? Why not give it out all the time? There you have it from Rand Paul uh, on the legislative floor mocking them for this huge handout. No one's read the bill as the problem. And it's a very interesting day when Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz agree, both lawmakers criticizing the near $2.5 trillion spending bill that Congress passed. Ted Cruz says AOC is right. Cruz tweeted, it's absurd to have this bill negotiated in secret and then rolled out where nobody could read it, but everybody's expected to vote on it within hours. They created a hashtag. It says Congress is broken. Amen to that reality check. Do you want to come in on this one, Tim? Well, I think when you have a situation where you have two polar opposite people agreeing that the bill is not good, it's usually because each side has a very hardcore um, ideology they believe in. And usually those stay out of bills. They kind of meet in the middle. But when they have a bill like this to where they're so divided and they say, fine, you can put that in there that I would never, ever allow in there. And the other side says that to the other side. So now your core people on each side are inflamed because those core things, ideologies that they never dreamed would be put into a bill or they would be allowed are now being allowed just so they can move forward. Um, I think that's what you've got going on here. You've got something as crazy as this Green New Deal that the, the left is putting there that has nothing to do with COVID. And this money's being dumped in for all kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with the fight of COVID, okay? And it's it's infuriating people like, you know, uh, Ron Paul and, and Ted Cruz. And then Osio Cortez is looking at some other stuff, probably some funding for, you know, protecting a coal-fired power plant, which she's totally against and totally opposite of the Green New Deal. And she's probably inflamed about that. So that's what's going on right now with this, is this thing is more about getting what the left and the right want put in rather than helping the American people. Now the question becomes, will President Trump sign it? He says he's pushing back. There's too much garbage in there. He doesn't want to fund. Take it out, he says. But then he also says, quit giving a pittance to the, a pittance to the American people. 600 bucks. Why don't you give them closer to $2,000 per person? Uh, so even Trump has issues with it. The question is, will Trump double down and sign it? Or will he push it back on Congress and make them fix it? Or will uh, President Donald Trump run out of time and will Biden huh, be the guy to push it through? Or will Trump give his, you know, thumbs up and it goes through and then Biden uh, put more through on the back end? What do you uh, expect to happen? Any idea? Well, I, I think you, you've got a situation where Trump's pushed into a corner right now to where they've got the American public wanting this stimulus bill, but then... If Trump doesn't do nothing, they try to point the finger at him. See, we all agreed on it, everybody, Senate and, and Congress, but Trump was the holdup. You know, they're going to they're gonna try to demonize Trump again on this whole thing. So 
whether he decides, hey, you know what, I'm done, I'm done with the fight, I'm not going to fight it, I don't want to be demonized anymore, I'm just going to prove it and go through, or does he say, you know what, I'm not going to go out this way, I'm going to stand my ground, and boom, I'm not signing it. You know, it's it's a 50-50 chance. But regardless of what he does, Biden will come in and approve it. So it really doesn't matter at this point because, you know, Biden's a yes man, in in my opinion, and he's just going to do what he's told to do. So regardless, it's going to go through, and it's not going to be good, and we've got that to look forward to. Or, you know, the worst-case scenario is um, it doesn't go through, and the Senate gets taken over, and the elections don't go the way they want in Georgia, and then they just push through everything they want and and, – the left does, and then it's really a, a messed up deal. Amen to that. All right, Governor Gazim, Gavin Newsom, he announced that Alex Padilla, California's current Secretary of State, uh, will succeed Kamala Harris in the Senate. That's a very, um, I don't know what to say, but controversial appointment there, Tim. Yeah, I mean. Trying to even second guess some of the things going on right now in in politics is just really uh, bizarre. And and uh, unless you're involved enough in in the um, deep state of things to know the agendas, it's really hard to even guess what's going to happen next. Amen to that. All right, now Barr, who's been going to get Trump and kind of decided to resign or get let go or however that goes, William Barr quote, "No need for special counsel for Hunter Biden." Do you want to respond to that one? Well, I think if if I was Barr and I knew that Trump was going out and the powers to be, Biden was coming in place, I wouldn't want to make myself a target. So, I mean, it's it, 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 we can sit here and speculate all we want, but I think it's something very simple. He's seen what's happened to everybody else that was on Trump's team, and they've been, ended up in jail or ended up losing things financially because they've been harassed to the point where they, they have no life. So, um, you know, is he just, you know, purely doing it out of the means of, of, of being able to survive with his family and, and keep things intact without becoming a target. I don't know, but um, I, I don't know that you can, you know, fault the guy who has seen the, the seriousness and the, the depth at which the other side will go to, to destroy someone. So, you know, it's hard, it's easy to put someone down, but unless we're in that situation, we don't know what we're going to do ourselves yeah and all i can say is this regardless of who's who without picking on any individual per se i just pray we get to the truth on all these things including the election fraud discussion tim starks will respond to that in seconds what's gonna happen ladies and gentlemen the trump team says they're still not giving up they're gonna take this all the way to the bank what does that mean what does it look like in the future what are the answers for us as a country going forward for honesty huh Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to defendapatriot.com. DefendAPatriot.com. All right, contested elections are certainly the order of the day, ladies and gentlemen. And certainly, it, it doesn't really. It depends on which side you're on and on how doubled down you are in your opinions on this thing. Uh, and you know, a lot of people are getting really crazy about what's happening here but the question becomes what's going to happen to the elections where do we go from here a lot of people saying we've got the goods other people are saying on one hand i got the evidence hardcore evidence evidence everywhere and others are saying there's zero evidence and it's almost such a blatant polar opposite that it's hard to even get your arms around this this thing tim well and and i think what people need to understand here is that there's the left and the right and there's the deep state it isn't about the left being in control or the right being in control. It's about how many people in the left and how many people in the right are playing along with the deep state. If you play along with the deep state, you're protected. If you don't, it doesn't matter whether you're left or right, you're going to be hung out to dry. So that's what you're dealing with there. And people can speculate all day long, but the deep state is in control and always will be in control. Wow. All right. There's a lot going on with this, and the debate is huge. And uh, the next deadline or the next marker for discussion really is Congress on January the 6th. Uh, What's going to happen? All it takes is what? One senator and one House representative uh, to say, hey, I don't trust the results that have been certified by the given states and or the Electoral College numbers. Or, hey, I see the Electoral College has turned in. uh, Some states have turned in two different sets of of delegates slash votes, etc. And because of that, we're going to call this into question. Uh, What do you think is going to happen on January the 6th? Well, I, I think there's only one option. If anything does go, I think the nuclear option that Trump has is, is the only card he has left to play. And I think if that option goes into play, it will hurt him, um, unfortunately. I mean, we, we know that that the election, the election was fraudulent. It was rigged. We know that this has happened. The problem is the way they've done it and the way our election was carried out, it's virtually impossible to go back and and find out and recreate things unless you actually have someone say, hey, I did it, and I'm going to take and accept responsibility, and this is what I did, and another person witnessed it or whatever. 
um, and they have recordings or whatever. And unless you have these kinds of things, the way that it was done, I don't believe they're going to go back and actually be able to bring back forensics evidence in, in a manner that's enough to change the outcome. So based on that, Trump would have to do the nuclear option where he instills martial law and asks for a re-election or something. And uh, if he does something of that magnitude, I think he's going to turn away some of the independent voters and he would lose for real this time. So either way, I think he's doomed and it's a new point at this, at this time. All right. It'll be interesting to see what Congress does. There's starting to be more and more conservatives and, and Republicans that are really saying, hey, um, I've decided I need to contest this. There's an incoming North Carolina representative. His name is Madison Cawthorn. Uh, and Madison Cawthorn said that he will contest the election and fund primary opponents against GOP members who are not willing to be open and fair. In other words, you've got to be publicly pushing for fair and just and open elections or he will be fund candidates that do his very best to run against you. Cawthorn said the Constitution said that state legislatures are the only body that can change election laws within a given state. And in some key uh, swing states, governors and secretary of states in the key states have simply violated the law. And so because of that, on Jan 6th, he will be... Um, Contesting the election, he says, the people sent me there to do a job, and that's what I'm going to do. And uh, if a senator agrees, uh, then it'll all be up for discussion in Congress, Tim. You know, Tim, you bring up good points, and if a majority of the senators felt that way, I would think it's awesome when we get to the bottom of this, but because it's just one or two or a handful, I just believe it's going to be a bunch of rhetoric and no results. And it's going to be, you know, the same old talk we've been hearing for four years, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen and nothing happened. Nothing. I mean, look at the Biden thing, you know, this, this the, the Hunter Biden thing. And look at the Hillary Clinton thing. I mean, all these things that these people have gotten away with. And we've heard for years, arrests are coming, arrests are coming. This is coming. This is coming. At some point, you got to say the rabbit hole's too deep. <laughs> I got to get back up here to the real world and focus on things I can make a difference in. And this is just my opinion. I, I think that there are things we can do to see to it these things don't happen and continue to happen. But to try to delve down this rabbit hole of cover-ups can just engulf so much time and so much energy and send people on paths that are non-productive, in my opinion. But that's, you know, each his own. Now, now, here's what's interesting, Tim. You and I had some conversations offline about this. And we may not agree 100% on everything. But you know what? We're both agreeing that until the American people get involved enough and demand something, uh, you know what? Even the right can't happen. Um, you know, Hawthorne might mean well. You might get a senator or two. They might even bring it up for a debate, but they might have a two-hour debate. If enough senators and congressmen um, won't take it up, then it just uh, debates for a little bit, gets shut down. The news reports, hey, some whacked-out senators tried to carry the ball for Trump. Um, they were proven false. There is no vote fraud, no evidence whatsoever. Boom, but a bomb, but bang, and it's all done. And the only way to stop that is for enough to demand accountability, to get involved, to really do the digging that it takes. It's kind of like the evidence discussion. Uh, you know, rather than running around saying you got all this evidence and then having trouble producing it, you're better off saying, I don't know that I have the evidence, but I know this. I've got anomalies that bring up such concern that I'm going to go into court and subpoena the evidence, uh, if at all possible. Um, 
That I don't see they're doing. I just see them running around making claims. Everybody shoots down the claims, and then they you know, come up with another claim, and I, I see them just going around the barn, right? You make some good points, Sam. Until people decide they're going to stand up, until the numbers get there to stand up against the corruption, we're just going to have the same old rhetoric going on. So until the people decide they're going to stand up, I don't see much happening. But as far as what you're saying, too, as far as the, the evidence – that's exactly what needs to happen is, is we're, we need to get on the track of you can't sit there and say, hey, I got evidence, I got evidence, and then have someone say, well, I saw this and I saw this. That isn't evidence. That's hearsay, and they saw something happen that they don't even know what really happened. I saw someone stick a flash drive in. Well, what did that flash drive have on it? They don't even know. So until you can get to court and request that flash drive or forensics investigation that flash drive, you know, and, and at that point, even then, too, will you even get the original flash drive that you saw put into the machine? I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're going down a rabbit hole that can be so detrimental in, in what it does to our country that I don't know what we can gain from it. Now, there are a lot of things that can be done to prevent this from happening in the future. I mean, the mail-in voting, for one thing, is a joke. There is no dual control. There is no custody of the ballots in a manner that should be there. Um, you know, anybody could go carrying in bags of ballots from the post office. It's a flawed method, drastically flawed. So that's one thing that could be, you know, we could be lobbying, petitioning, whatever we need to do to get that thrown out to where it doesn't happen again. People can get together and make a difference on that. And then that way you know your election, uh, your vote counts. Um, those kinds of things can make a difference, in my opinion. But But sitting there trying to say, hey, I, I saw this, I saw that, the, the courts are just going to throw it out. Now, if they, I noticed Powell is trying to get some, uh, you know, evidence, some machines in her custody, which I don't see her getting that. I think she could say, hey, I want to request a forensics evaluation based on both parties, you know, um, opinions and do that. Um, and then get the results of that for court. But I doubt she's going to get custody of those machines because there again, if you get custody of a machine, then you can tamper with it yourself. And so there's the whole dual custody thing there. Well, and as you and I were talking, I've been saying for quite some time that I believe that, uh, you know what, Brian, there is vote fraud in my personal opinion, a massive vote fraud. And Absolutely. Joe Biden, by hook or by crook, did take the election wrongfully, and we should get to the bottom of it. And we got to keep fighting and doing our very best as long as we can. It's, I, I believe, our constitutional uh, duty as Americans to do so. But I've expressed that I don't think we'll be able to overturn this. I think the swamp is just too deep, and not enough Americans care. And I've been soundly criticized for that view, saying, oh, that's negative, and you shouldn't think that way, and everything else. Now, behind the scenes, Tim and I debated this uh, a bit. Uh, and, you know, it kind of came down to Tim's just like, hey, it's a waste of time. And, and I was basically saying, you know what, I never think that America is a waste of time. And basically Tim came back and said, I'm not saying that America is a waste of time. Uh, it's just what can we influence for good and where should we be spending our time uh, when there's so many things um, that we need to focus on. And that's true. There are so many things uh, we need to focus on. Where is our time best spent? Where do we believe we can make a difference for America and for our families and for our lives? And that was kind of the, the, the summary of our discussion and, and kind of where I think this discussion should go. When we get back, Tim will respond to this. Uh, but I think it's a vital point that where should we be spending our time? What can we do in America? 
I mean, if we just run around and argue with our family at Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner and melt down our families over it because we disagree, is that going to do any good? I certainly think not. So let's talk about it with Tim Starks on your radio. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. If you ever doubted Congress with a blank check is a bad thing, just look at what's included in the 5,600-page coronavirus relief package and how the goal to help hurting Americans was totally missed. It really is a disgrace. It's called the COVID relief bill, but it has almost nothing to do with COVID. I am asking Congress to amend this bill and increase the ridiculously low $600 to $2,000 or $4,000 for a couple. Trump went on to list some of the ridiculous spending that has nothing to do with its goal. Cash for two national mall museums, $10 million for gender programs in Pakistan, a $2.5 million for Internet freedom. Mexico will receive 1.4 million Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines on Wednesday, putting the country and Chile, the first Latin American nations, to vaccinate. USA Radio News. Picture this, a shortage of fuel has closed your electric utility, or any disaster devastated your town. Your power is out, no lights, no news. That's why federal and state agencies urge you to have an emergency radio. You can get a free Dynamo World Band emergency radio. This powerful radio keeps you informed during any emergency. It doesn't even need batteries, and comes with a hand crank generator and super bright LED flashlight. The emergency radio includes the NOAA weather band, a long-range AM receiver, a high-sensitivity FM band, and even a USB jack to charge cell phones. The Dynamo Emergency Weather Band Radio retails for almost $30, but Newsmax wants to make sure you get this radio. So check out the free offer for the emergency radio with Newsmax magazine. Go to gettheradio.com. That's gettheradio.com. Or call toll-free 800-NEWSMAX. That's 800-NEWSMAX. This radio could save your life. This offer may end soon, so order today. Nearly a year of debt for Americans, and Congress thinks 600 bucks will help? How out of touch is Washington, D.C.? President Trump has told Congress that he wants an amended COVID relief bill without more than a trillion dollars in spending that he says has nothing to do with COVID. The spending bill that passed both houses on Monday night contains billions in discretionary spending along with provisions for coronavirus stimulus, funding for vaccine distribution, and direct payments to Americans. The president is finding support for this move with some members of Congress. Arizona Representative Andy Biggs called the bill the worst thing they could have passed. He told Fox News that the president should veto it because it contains a number of measures that would not have passed if they were brought to the floor on their own. This bill is so bad. They added 60 separate bills into <laughs> this massive package. I mean, think about that. I mean, these are bills that could get pa- couldn't mm-hmm. get passed on their own, and, and, and they threw those in. And so this bill should be vetoed, and I'm, I'm hoping it will be. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki. You- All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. 
tell your neighbor the only liberalism we believe in is when you liberally donate to our cause. Your generous donations absolutely critical to the carrying forward of this radio program. If we have traditional advertisers, we can't report and be as candid with our discussion as we like to be on the radio. So your financial support, especially at Christmas time, absolutely helpful. And let's be very clear about this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not begging for your money to support my family. Okay? I work all day to get that done. But I do want to spread the news the networks refuse to use. I do want to tell the tale. And we need your financial support to get it done. LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Uh, so, Tim Starks, I was kind of mentioning behind the scenes, we had a, a little bit of a disagreement on one hand. Uh, on the other hand, I think in many ways we're saying a lot of the same things. Um, the disagreement really is what should we be doing with our time and, and how should we best advocate for uh, differences. Um, I wanted to summarize behind the scenes of the discussion, uh, but I don't want to take uh, or put words in your mouth. Um, have I uh, articulated that fairly or do you want anything to add before you kind of get to the point? Um. Yes, you're correct, Sam. We just have a different way. You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys who's a very proactive approach rather than a reactive. And don't get me wrong, there's a time to react to things. But I believe if you can keep the upper hand on anything and stay proactive and be the one acting instead of reacting, you'll have an advantage. And, and one of the things, I mean, that I know that sounds really kind of uh, polar to being a cyber forensic investigator type person. But I'll just give you, for instance, um, you know, in cyber forensics, you you look through and you forensically look and spend time looking at the history of something and, and trying to back things back to find out the how it happened and, and fix it from there. But there's a time in this business to where if you, for instance, have a computer that we know is infected with malware or you have a server and it's going to take me you know, 20, 30 hours to go in and, and, and to, to remove all this and to work on this thing, do I spend that 20, 30 hours doing that? Or do I just spend another two hours and just flatten it and reload it? You know what I'm saying? At some point, you have to look at things and say, it's much more productive for me to just move on. I know how this happened. I know what happened. I'm going to put things in place again so that this doesn't get infected and so this doesn't happen to the server. And then I'm just going to go ahead and flatten and reload it. Well, so, and to your point really quick, though, if you do spend the 20, 30 hours working on it, you may at the end be forced to do that anyway, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, and go so, ahead, sir. And so I look at the election with my same kind of rationale as we can spend all this time and we may find that, you know what, the information has been misdirection, that, that the fraud came from something as simple as just inputting a bunch of bogus ballots and that nothing ever happened over the Internet to change the the outcome of the machine, that it was all here, but they just were led down the wrong direction on purpose so that it could uh, disenfranchise, you know, those and, and, and discourage those in the future because now they have forensic proof that this never happened because it never was the original way that they did it. It was always done originally through ballots. Um, so at that point, let's just focus on the things that we know are flawed and the things that we know that dual control isn't, and let's fix the dual control problem. Right now, we don't even have dual control of our ballots to have a recount. Recount in America is a farce. There's no such thing because you're just going to recount bogus ballots. I mean, there's no way to prove that those are, are good ballots. There's no dual control from the time that enters the machine. The only dual control you have or verification of a ballot is until it enters that machine. Once it enters that machine, it is gone. 
I don't know your ballot from my ballot. There's no signature, nothing on the ballot to prove that it belongs to anybody. So you could have three million bogus ballots in there that don't belong to anybody, and there's no way to prove it. So that's where our problem lies, and that's where we need to fix it. There are several ideas and ways you can fix it, which would be taking up a whole new show to talk about those things, but I have several ideas of how they could fix that. Um, Peter Navarro. I don't know if you know who he is, but Peter Navarro is a well-known Democrat, a friend of Clinton. He released his report on vote fraud, 36 pages, and he doubles down and says vote fraud absolutely existed. Okay, so I don't think we're really debating, Tim, whether vote fraud existed. I think we all agree. Oh, no, vote did. fraud was there. I think what we're debating is what can be done and how can we get to the bottom of it. And from as a forensic expert, you're basically saying, hey, uh, you know what? I don't know that you'll get to the bottom of it. They're good. They might have committed vote fraud, but they're good at, at, at you know, making sure that it's not uh, traceable or that it, you know, it's going to be very hard to stitch this together uh, in a meaningful way. You might get to the end of that 30-hour working on the server project or digging in and subpoenaing uh, devices and whatever else you do. But in the end, though, you might be handed a pig and a poke and be stuck. And you know what? They may be able to, to, to not document the evidence, but at the same time, we all know there's vote fraud. But what are you going to do about it? At the end of the day, that doesn't look good if that happens either. Exactly. And so – like I said, the proactive, active approach, in my opinion, there's a time and a place for it, and I think this is the time and the place. I think for the country, for the name, of, you know, namesake of being able to keep a, a collaborated effort to fix things, because I think you could find people on both sides that say, hey, we do need to fix this. I mean, I'm sure there's some people that are taking advantage of this who don't want to fix it because that's how they know they can get their, their people in there. But I think they're still some people who believe that you know if we fix it then we then we know our vote counts and i think you have a better option to go forward with doing that but if you go too far down the rabbit hole and there's a way to track and prove that nothing happened down that direction you went then it discourages anybody from even giving credibility that there's even voter fraud and no one wants to do nothing about it and they put their head in the sand and we have to make sure that doesn't happen because that's what those who are committing the fraud want to happen because they want to still be able to commit the fraud. So uh, what do you think should be done about this? And you brought up uh, your opinion of where we really ought to put our focus, maybe not on the servers, maybe not on the voting machines, maybe not on that side of the equation at all, uh, because you believe that, hey, that's a complicated topic to say the least. And I agree. It's very hard for the American people to even understand what's going on. The truth and the fiction are mixed together in such a way to where, man, people don't even really know what's going on. Uh, but there's a much simpler, clearer way uh, to deal with in your view, right? Yeah, I mean, Sam, one of the things I do in analysis and consulting is, is I, I do risk analysis. I also do disaster and recovery analysis and then pen testing and stuff and find the weak link in organizations and, and processes. And so using that mentality, when I look at this and I say, okay, we got a problem. How can we verify the results? And our election results in the United States are non-verifiable. They can convince you all they want. Hey, we did a recount. It's verifiable. But that's not true. All they can do is recount and verify bad data, <laughs> fake data, something that has not been in dual control. And unless something has dual custody or dual control from both sides and true dual control, at that point, once it loses that, it is not good 
data or good, you know, um, evidence. So to say that you can have a recount of an election is just is bogus. So we've got and, to find and the a reason, way. Hold on. And the reason, just so people understand that it's bogus, is because anywhere you look, you can't guarantee the custody of the vote. That's the point, right? Exactly. And so at this point, we have to find a way to somehow mark our ballots as valid ballots to when they go through, they're valid, and that they cannot be duplicated and that they can't have a bunch of bogus ones put in with them so that if they're recounted, you know you're recounting valid ballots. That's a tough road to hoe, folks, but Tim's point is, hey, rather than looking back, rather than trying to subpoena machines, you're probably going to get egg on your face because it's going to be very hard to trace. They're very good. And and you know what? You're probably not going to find the pay dirt that you want. And even if you do, it's going to be hard to claim that it, that it mattered enough to make a difference or that it was a, an intentional fraud, not a an oversight. That's the problem with fraud is that the bar of, uh, you know, making your case is so high. You got to not only prove that it happened, but prove that it was intentional that it happened, which is very, very, very difficult indeed. Uh, you're better off saying, hey, how do we make elections? Uh, have honesty and integrity and transparency going forward. And that's Tim's major point, not because he doesn't want to see the truth come out. He agrees flat out there's vote fraud, without a doubt. The problem is, one, believing it and even documenting it in in anecdotal ways is pretty easy to do. Proving it to be the case with hard evidence, backing it to the point of documenting fraud becomes another matter in the courts. And as a result, then, Tim's saying, look, what we really need to do is make sure that we have honest elections going forward. And the way to do that is to make sure that we can have uh, guaranteed custody of ballots. Uh, In other words, a tamper-proof solution. I don't know any personal way to go about that in my mind, except for to go back to the precinct level and have paper ballots. But when we come back, let's hear what Tim has to say, though. Uh, We're all talking about solutions and opinions and ideas, and this is the great think tank known as the United States of America. What a blessing where we shout from the rooftops. Merry Christmas to you from us. We are Liberty Roundtable Live. How do you know your child loves you? When he calls and he says, uh, Dad, why don't we uh, go fishing? It's very simple, but it, it really counts. They make a song up and they come into our bedroom and say, we made a song, and will you listen to Our next oldest daughter came to me with tears in her eyes, and she said, Daddy, I just thank you for coming home every night when we were growing My up. My son does the nicest things. When he's playing outside, he'll come in and just give me a hug and run right back outside. My daughter goes to the same high school that I'm the registrar at, and I'll go into my office after the bell has rung, and there's a note on my desk. And it'll usually say, Mom, I love you. I'm thinking about you. And I you. think of my boy that uh, we finally got him through graduation. And he came up to me and said, I made it. Thanks. Family. Isn't it about time? That's all he said. And that meant everything to me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I reinstated a policy first put in place by President Ronald Reagan the Mexico City policy. I strongly supported the House of Representatives' pain-capable bill, which would end painful late-term abortions nationwide. And I call 
upon the Senate to pass this important law and send it to my desk for signing. We are protecting the sanctity of life and the family as the foundation of our society. And most importantly of all, it is the gift of life itself. That is why we march. That is why we pray. And that is why we declare that America's future will be filled with goodness, peace, joy, dignity, and life for every child of God. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let me give you a headline to make the point that Tim Starks has been making. From WND, possible illegal votes in Michigan, top 379,000. But what the heck is that, possible? Hold on a minute, we're, uh, how long are we into this thing? A month and a half? We can't be saying possible this, possible that. We got to double down and have proof for our claims or we look like absolute idiots. Is the proof there? Yes, in many ways, but it's entirely complex. Uh, Yes, but you know what? Not enough because we can't get the information. We don't have the voting machines. We don't have the, okay, well, we need to get them, Sam. I I understand, but you've already ran out of time is the point. Should we be looking forward, not backwards, and saying, hey, um, we need to make sure that there's election integrity on a going forward basis, way more important than looking back in the minutia and the debates about this thing. Now, I get that this prominent Democrat, Peter Navarro, I mean, endorsed by Clinton, a trade expert, a statistics expert, that's his claim to fame. He released his report on the 2020 elections, 36 pages documenting that there was absolute, without a doubt, vote fraud. He spent an hour covering uh, his report just recently in the media. There's a lot of people admitting the truth now. But where are we going to get? I doubt they're going to redo an election in the whole nation. Redo an election. Okay, so where are we going to go with this? And I think the court's problem is, hey, unless you have hard, hard, hard evidence, we're just not going to throw the whole world into disarray. Now, I might be overstating the point, but that's kind of the, the debate. So as a result, Tim, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, so correct anything that I've stated. You're just saying, look, better yet, let's just fix the problem. And there are ways to do that. Yeah, Sam. It, I, have I, have I said anything that you disagree with? I'm not trying to, to state what you're saying. I'm trying to summarize and, and put it in context here. No, you, you've, you've explained it very well. Okay, I mean, good. The, the, the bottom line is we have a vulnerability in our election system. We need to mitigate it. Now, is mitigating it spending hours and hours and hours of trying to dispute something that I believe is is not able to even be disputed because of the way it's flawed, or do we spend the in, in time other words, and the it's, money a, it's a full, fool's errand, if you will. Exactly. Okay. Or do we spend the time and the money to mitigate it by putting preventative measures in place, such as blockchain identification to ballots when they're input into the thing, and so that way anything that's input into a machine during this date, this time at this process when dual control is watching it and it has assigned a blockchain ID to it so that way it can be recounted and verified is 
Is that the solution or something like that? I believe it is. So spend time and effort on those kinds of solutions rather than trying to go back and spend hours on the others. Don't get me wrong. I would love to not have Joe Biden as our president because I feel like he is, is, is a criminal. He's corrupt. And that's my opinion. But at the end of the day, we have to save face with our country and, and, and maintain some kind of sanity and peace in the process. Ah, very interesting. And I kind of mentioned, I think we got to go back precinct by precinct if we really want to fight the, the back stuff and demand in your local precinct that, hey, you know what? I want to see our, our numbers. Every precinct is very small. And I want to see the numbers, and I want you to prove it. And if you can prove it, great. And if you can't, I expect us to revote in our precinct and challenge the numbers that are being certified. Because if I can't certify them at the precinct, then you have no business certifying them at the state level. No one's really tried that avenue. I think a revote is a good solution, at, you know, at this point. But I don't see it happening. It's my yeah, thing. I, I don't see enough agreement for it to happen. And your point's valid. I think we ought to abolish the IRS today, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're thugs, but I don't see it happening. I mean, I, I wish it would. Don't get me wrong. I also yeah. see we ought to shut down all the government schools in the country because they're teaching the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto. Now, see, that's an example where, but you know what, 90% of the nation's against me on that one. So uh, your point's well taken that, hey, what are we to do? What should we do looking forward? What should we do about our current situation? And I think that we should all admit, whether you admit fraud or not, because some won't admit that no matter what we say. A significant swath will never admit it. Because then the question is, okay, well, who committed the fraud? So if we say, you know what, we believe there are voter uh, custody ballot problems with our systems. They're systemic. And we're going to take mitigation measures for solution, and we're going to do it now. I think that you could get a lot of people on board, even people that wouldn't admit fraud now, even though they admitted fraud years ago, uh, you know, as recent as, as after 2016 kind of thing. Uh, so they've changed their tune. But I, I digress except to say, I'm convinced that we could get a lot of people on board to say, hey, we do agree that this systemic custody question uh, is primarily an issue with not only the machines, but mail-in ballots. And we need to do something, and we need to do something now. I think you could get almost everybody to agree with that idea. Tim? Absolutely. I, I, I mentioned that earlier. I believe that we could get people enough people from both sides to make a difference and, and to mitigate the issues we face with the election fraud that I believe are more rampant than people realize in our system. Now, here's an interesting thing that I want to point out, and this is a really fascinating thing, Tim, and you can kind of speak out and testify or, or you know, mention this. A lot of talk show hosts will take somebody they disagree with on something and they'll bring them on and they'll absolutely just try to slaughter them. And they use radio time. They use commercials. They use uh, images on the screen if they're doing video or sound bites or whatever to kind of hammer their point home and, and just absolutely try to slaughter or just, you know, um, discredit their guest or whatever. And I don't believe in that kind of radio. Okay, I just, I, just, I just believe that's wrong. And so whether I disagree with or agree with someone, I try to be fair and open and honest about what the discussion is, what the debate is, because I believe the people, once they get the information, the people are intelligent. They can decide if they have the info. If they can, you know what? And so um, I think we need to dig a lot harder in stopping what currently occurred than you do. 
but I think both of us have some valid points to bring to the table. And one of the geniuses of America, in my opinion, is this great think tank that we the people are. Uh, anyway, I bring that up because a lot of people are afraid to go on the radio with a talk show host because they're afraid they're just going to get beat up. Hopefully, I've articulated your side of the discussion and brought forward some of the behind the scenes so people can get caught up to where our discussion is, but in an open, transparent, fair way that that puts you in, uh, in hopefully the best light possible and lets you advocate for your viewpoints. And you know what? The American people can decide. They can say, you know what? Tim's right. Sam's crazy or whatever they want. That This is, in my opinion, the brilliance and genius of talk radio that we can nationally uh, do in seconds what took our founding fathers literally letters of exchange over weeks and months to accomplish or whatever. This is an amazing medium if used openly, honestly, and fairly. Tim, do you want to respond to that? You know, Sam, that's one of your many great attributes um, that you have is, is the ability to allow both sides to be heard and to have a common sense approach. You don't let your emotions guide your, your, your analysis of things. You let your brain. And I think if more people would let their brain guide their analysis and their outcome of their actions instead of emotions, we wouldn't be in the problems we have today with this country. We'd be a lot further ahead. The problem is people let their emotions guide themselves down paths that aren't good. So you, you have to be able to t- talk and discuss things in a manner. And, and for the most part, you and I agree on most things. And There's we no really doubt. agree on and, this. And I believe the nation agrees on most things, believe it or not. Yeah. Really, they do. I know the media doesn't articulate it that way, but I believe most people believe uh, really similarly on a lot of things. Even if there's some divide issues, uh, we're not near as divided as they portray, not even close. No, and it's, it's just usually the approach to how people want to handle things that they disagree on. Yeah, and I'm not really looking for a kudos for me as a talk show host, but I am looking for um, really an understanding in America that this is the way radio ought to be done, though. It isn't a matter of me being right and Tim being wrong or Tim being right and me being wrong or I win, you lose or any of that kind of stuff. This is the great think tank, and that's where we come up with the best ideas and we come up with the best blend for solutions, and that's where America's genius really is in my view if we then get god's uh, inspiration and guidance in our minds and hearts and you know then we're off to the races for solutions and and people unifying and working on things together and maybe we disagree on uh, item a but we can sure work on item b c d e f g can't we and, and that's really what i'm trying to get at tim and that's how you engage people you know sam that's that's the that's the secret recipe i believe to engaging people is letting people know this is a process of of thought you know, and uh, it's a culmination of different ideas and then moving forward with, with the things that you flush out in your ideas and thoughts and, and, and moving forward. It's not a, you know, a dictator's show of this is the direction we're going and this is why I think so and this is why we have to do it, da-da-da-da-da. And if you like it, I don't care. I don't, you know what I mean? You don't do that. A lot of the other media outlets and mainstream media that's what they do they have an agenda and they're going to control that agenda and they're going to squash every other idea and opinion or manipulate it to be able to get that agenda out there and that's the problem we have in america uh tim i've asked a lot of questions and i've brought up a lot of topics they're topics that you and i kind of discussed in advance so none of it was a surprise to you however is there anything you want to say or bring up that we haven't covered or that or that we haven't clarified well enough or you know whatever you see fit sir well, I would just encourage people to really analyze and think things and don't be afraid to ask the questions and find the answers to it. Don't let people spoon feed you 
Um, and that's the problem we have with so many educated and talented people today is they, they trust someone to the extent that, you know what, they told me this and I'm going to believe them and I'm going to go forward with this based on what they told me, even if something doesn't make sense, even if it's like, well, that's strange. That, that doesn't make sense that we're going to take a vaccine, but yet we still have to wear a mask and there's no herd immunity and we can still pass it on to someone else and contract it. Well, then, you know, those kinds of things should be throwing up red flags to people and going, what is this really? What are we really taking? Is this not a vaccine? Um, how does this work? How and did the should we be spending literally, the new one? Should we be spending billions of dollars if that's all it does? Exactly. And, and here's the other thing, too, is, and, and not just to get stuck on that, you know, I mean, there, there are several things, even the election thing, you know, should we should we believe that, you know, that we should take and and, and riot and, and have a mass amount of, of civil chaos because we don't agree with, you know, the fact that things are being covered up? You know, it's, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. You've got to analyze things. You got to stay calm. You got to stay rational and say, what is the outcome if I do this? What is the outcome if I do this? Sometimes it's not about what's right and wrong. Sometimes it's about what's best for the country, what's best for, you know, your family. And you can still continue down the path of right. You can work on that in a proactive manner. And, and that's where I think we have to stay focused on. We got we to gotta still fight for what's right, but we have to do it in a manner that's peaceful. And we have to do it in a manner that's going to get somewhere instead of it cause, you know, disenfranchisement among uh, people and, and discredit anybody. And my final comment would be if we had leadership that would really, uh, in my opinion, uh, set the stage for this kind of open discussion, this kind of peaceful resolution, this kind of uh, bringing all ideas to the table and letting people think through things and then coming up with transparent answers and work forward uh, plans. Uh, just imagine what America could be like, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't that make for a Merry Christmas? That'd Thank be you like so- what our... Go ahead, sir. That would be like what our founding fathers imagined. Amen to that. Thank you so much, Tim. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We appreciate the extra time you've taken today. Thank you, Sam. You have a Merry Christmas, too. Thank you. There he goes. A security expert and more. Tim Starks, critical thinker to say the least. For Sam and Tim, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic. Merry Christmas.